Yo, what's poppin' people? It's your boy Kaz here once again with the Say Less Podcast. Uh, welcome back. Thank you guys so much for checking us out on Whistle Sports, Brother, all of the networks that you can find us on, whether it's Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever. I appreciate you so much, no matter where you're coming from. And I hope you're enjoying these interviews, these conversations that I have with uh, some incredibly interesting people. Um, my guest today is one of those very interesting people, a guy I've known for a long time. Uh, I've been calling him Custo this whole life, <laughs> my whole life. But uh, you may know him as Jock Slade. He is the unquestioned king of sneaker unboxing. Like, uh, when you go to his YouTube page, uh, Jock Slade, man, he gets the hundreds of thousands and millions of views with everything he does with uh, Nike, Adidas, Jordan. You know, he's just a, a sneaker culture king. And uh, I'm just a big fan of everything that he does because he always keeps himself so uh, uh, genuine with all of his content. And uh, he's a very trusted voice within the community. And he's a good friend of mine. Um, but we got to talk about a lot of stuff because, you know, I'm always interested in his his point of view on things. And uh, we talked about the NBA restart. We talked about the return to Yeezy and uh, the Gap deal. Uh, we talked a lot about everything going on in the world and, of course, how he has to continue creating content and how this is pretty much where life is at right now. So um, it's a really interesting talk, especially if you're into content creating. But um, I just love Jocks as a guy, uh, as a great, great dude. Um, he's been on so many huge platforms, whether it's NBC, CNN, um, everywhere talking about sneakers on Disney+. Plus. You can check out the uh, World According to Jeff Goldblum. Um, he's on that Sneakers episode, and it was really great uh, if you're at home being bored like <laughs> we're all doing. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not going to talk too much because I do plenty of talking later. But um, thank you guys so much. Um, I just want to just, you know, shout out everybody who checked out the LeVar Ball interview from a few, well, last week. Did a lot of, you know... Did really well for me, man. Uh, saw it on Fox Sports, Bleacher Report, ESPN, Yahoo, um, everywhere. And that's kind of what I want to do. That's the thing that, that gets me up at night, man. Like getting these these quotes and these interviews with some of these great talents and important people within the culture. And, uh, you know, spreading a little positivity as well. So if it brings a little smile to your face, if it gets you some time to, you know, not think about how crazy the world is because I know it can get you down. It damn sure gets me down. I mean, it's not not lost on me how, you know, frivolous this may seem to a lot of people. But, you know, to the people who enjoy it and, and really embrace the content, I, I really do appreciate you because it's hard to, to not uh, – <laughs> To, to not have some some bad news come across your line or come across your way, which seems like every single day in this country. But in that case, uh, we're going to jump into the interview right now. Uh, so, and, and my fault, I'm just <laughs> wrapping up my last thought. Um, just, you know, that's what I want to bring to this table with uh, Say Less With Kaz. So thank you to Whistle. Thank you to Brother. Uh, we got some sponsors next week. So, <laughs> Hype for that, uh, but I'll give him a free plug anyway. Shout out to Truly Seltzer. Um, fantastic uh, adult beverages. I'll be drinking a lot because, goddamn, if you're home and chilling and not doing the goddamn thing, just 
I mean, obviously, you know, I, I like to work out in the house too, and you don't want to get too sloppy. You don't want to get too much turned to too much of a slob just by drinking and chilling in the crib and just doing what you got to do. But truly, hard seltzer, man, just take a load off, bro. It's nice. It's light. Gives you a little buzz. I enjoy it. So shout out to them. And they'll be sponsoring the podcast for a couple of weeks. So uh, we're going to get them real right. And everybody who supports this, make sure you go out and support them as well. But let's get into it. Jock Slade, my guy, king of unboxing sneakers. Uh, let's get into this content right now. Emilio Sparks, the greatest producer in the game. My friend, my brother, my man's 100 grand. Do what you do and hit that motherfucking music. What's funny about doing this is I, I think people listen and watch these sort of videos and I guess everybody's sort of into like the whole creating content from home type of thing. So we're discussing yeah. that. Do we, do we record? Do you record? Do you save on, on your side <laughs> and stuff like that? But yeah, it gets crazy. Yeah. But you're, you're the king of it, man. And it's, it's, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I hate, I hate just slipping that into you like that, but pause. But I mean, you are, you've been, you've been one of the guys that I filed for a long time that I've, I've, ran into many a time and uh you know you're just somebody who has where everybody is going you've been here for for a number of years just as far as like (laughs) content creating i'm serious and there's a lot of people and there's a lot of things that are that are kind of uh changing about the world but for you it's all kind of just growing more so kind of tell me about that ever since the pandemic ever since march and just how you know content creation has changed views yeah, yeah, all that yeah. type of stuff well i mean for me it was it was not like let's i mean if we're gonna keep it you know two virgils it's it started <laughs> totally out of necessity for me you know what i mean i didn't right it, i didn't work at a big media company so i had to learn how to do all this myself you know what i mean i had to produce my own content i didn't have the benefit of working for like a complex or working for like espn or nothing like that i just had to be like yo I got to get it in. If I want to be a part of this landscape, I'm yeah. going to have to learn how to do that. So, and I remember so too, me, cause like, it was almost like we would, we would catch each other in like, you know, media runs or like, you know, sneaker yeah. drops or whatever. And you was just always doing your own thing. And I always in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm telling you, this guy's going to run this shit. Three or four, <laughs> like he's got it. He's fucking got it. And lo and behold, we're here, man. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. And like, that's the thing about, uh, this like I should I should probably become a consultant right now because everybody's <laughs> doing this from home and creating content from home like and I've been doing this literally for yeah you know, I would say a good seven eight years this is this has been me like I've been like everything from YouTube to to Instagram to Twitter has been me creating content out of the house so mm. you know for me this isn't too big of a change obviously you know everything around it is difficult and makes it makes everything a lot more challenging but right adjusting to working from home and getting it set up at home and creating content from home. That's, that's my job for the most part. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I've been doing. So you you mentioned it earlier, you said, you know, you didn't really have the luxury of a big media company. Was that by choice? Where were people just not like checking for you like that? Like what was the first step to be like, you know what, I'm gonna just do this on my own. Uh, I I started out working for a publisher. So I started out working for kicks on fire. And right. I started doing videos for them on YouTube, but 
that this was 2010 and nobody like nobody was doing it back then complex wasn't doing it br wasn't doing it like nobody was doing sneaker content mm-hmm. and so i started doing a weekly sneaker show for for kicks on fire and like it was like they were paying me pennies like right. it wasn't <laughs> like you like you you'd be very disappointed in me if i told you how much i was getting paid <laughs> that i was creating right um, but you know, it, it did kind of set me up because no one else was doing it at the time. So that's how, that's really how I got known in this space was because nobody was there. Like this was before Nice Kicks was even doing like the, the closet, like the, the visit videos, like all of that stuff. So yeah. like it was early. So that's how I kind of got my name. Um, and then when I left Kicks on Fire, I went to Nice Kicks for a little while. And then after Nice Kicks, it was just, it was just a matter of like, yo, I, I felt like I had a, enough relationships and there were enough PR and media folks that were messing with me that I was like, all right, I'm going to try and do this on my own. And, you know, thank God on high that it worked out. You know, I definitely don't, don't take credit for, for the blessing that I received through this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a plan that I didn't know would work, but thankfully it did. Yeah, man. And, and for people who, who may not have noticed, I mean, outside of the massive YouTube views, you've been on Disney Plus, you've been in music videos, you've been in movies, like just being yourself. And you've kind of cracked the code of what everybody's kind of strive for. It was like, how can I make money just doing what I love and being myself? Yeah. Right. So like a lot of people just want to know, like, OK, well, well, what's the thought process behind that? Like, how do you figure, well, do do you put like a, a end time on when you, when you want this to be successful? Is it like all right, I'm gonna put in for like two or three years, and if it doesn't work, I'm gonna go work at a construction site? Like what 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 is it that like? Because a lot of people, I know it's different for everybody else, but they see it and they want to do it, but they don't understand like the grind that goes yeah. into this when you don't have anybody kind of pushing you to do it. So explain yeah. it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a lot of work. Like, that's, let's, not, let's not, you know, mess around with it and, and make it seem like it's easy because it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm literally in this chair either, like, researching or writing or, you know, coming up with script ideas or thinking about new lighting schemes or thinking about how to shoot B-roll. Like, I would say 10 to 12 hours a day. I'm, I, this is just like some people go into an office from, from eight to five or whatever it is. Like I'm in this chair from eight to five, most times eight to six, eight to seven. You know what I mean? Like I'm right. constantly, constantly working because, because it's generally only me. I work with an editor now that helps. Um, and I have a writer now that helps, but you know, for, I would say the first, well, I'm, I've been here 10 years. So for the first eight years, it was just me. Mm. So it, it's, it's definitely not easy. And as far as an expiration date, um, I mean, I think we all kind of put those in our head, but I, 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 I don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know I would be here. Right. Like all the, all the things, all the things that have happened, I, I didn't necessarily expect. Like my goal when I first started creating videos was how can I make a video version of complex sneakers, nice kicks and soul collector? How can I be the video version of that? Mm-hmm. And that evolved over time where I turned into, oh, I'm doing unboxings or, oh, I'm doing, I'm hosting events. Like, oh, like now they want me to be on, be on this TV show to talk about this, or they want to interview me for like all of that stuff kind of evolved over time. So like for me to be like, oh, if I don't get this by this date, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be at Wendy's flipping burgers. Like I just, it was, it's just a matter of kind of going with the flow and working with the opportunities that, that are given to me and making sure that 
in a sense, making sure that I'm prepared for it. Like mm-hmm. doing all of these, doing all these things, teaching myself how to edit, how to light, how to read a teleprompter, how to script, all of that stuff prepared me for things that like opportunities that came up that I didn't know would be there. It was just more me learning how to do it just because I felt like it was a necessity in order for me to be the best at what I was doing. Right. But that led to, that led to opportunities at NBC that led to opportunities at uh, NBC sports and doing stuff for CBS and doing, doing stuff for TV shows like that. Those things, when those opportunities came, it was easy for me to walk into those doors because I had been doing all this by myself already. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a little, it, it's more about putting in the work, to be honest. You know what I mean? Like, like they always tell you, oh, that 10,000 hours. And you hear that so often and it sounds so cliche, but you put in the work um, and then, you know, eventually the work will come. Like, like with you, like, like I love like how into wrestling you are. Yeah. Like you, like you have wrestling on lock. Like you're one of the few people like it's you and like my boy, Nate Jones are like, like glossaries when it comes to, to the wrestling world. Yeah. And so those opportunities come for you when somebody wants, Oh, somebody wants somebody to talk about wrestling or host a wrestling event. Like you walk in that door easy. Like right. it's not even like, there's no question about it. You know what I mean? You already know what's going on. You know, the history of Randy Macho Man Savage, you know, you know, the history of the WWE versus the AEW and all yeah. of those like you know that stuff like it's just endemic to you because you put in that work already so for me like that's what it was for production and sneakers and hosting i put in all that work so that when those opportunities came i could walk through that door and no one could question it understood and and obviously when people see it you know your resume speaks for itself like you don't gotta like sell anybody on anything like you always get to the point where and i feel you on it like and it sounds uncomfortable to say out loud but like i don't feel like we're both at the point where you should be selling yourself on anybody. Like you should have to go to anybody and be like, well, you should talk to, you should talk to me about sneakers because ABC, like, no, like if you're going to make some sneaker content, you call this guy because this is all that's here and you're doing your job. So, that, but even to say that though, but I'm still, I still sell myself to this you got day. To. Right. To this day because part of it, I mean, in a traditional sense of like, here's my yeah, resume, yeah. please see the letter, I'm all that shit. Folks, though, Cause like, when you do stuff on your own or when you're a YouTuber, that that comes with a, a, a sort of like reputation or it comes with people see that in a certain way. Right. Like if I was complex approaching somebody for something, it's like, oh, it's complex. That, that's complex. Mm-hmm. It, comes with, it comes with a certain cachet. Cachet, yeah. But Jacques yeah. approached him about something. It's like, uh, he's a YouTuber, though. Like he just mm. does videos. You know does, that, I mean? does that annoy you a little bit? I mean, like oh, yeah. you, oh, you're... Absolutely. You've put up bigger numbers than a lot of these networks on your own. So absolutely, absolutely. Production quality, uh, you know, everything, everything from the from the from the camera that I'm using to to the script writing and the production, like it's it's the same quality as what they're doing. But I'm a YouTuber and they're complex. And that's not and that's not not to not complex at all, but it's just there there's a perception because I'm only one person, I'm only one guy. They're an organization, so they Mm -hmm. look at it different than they look at an individual it's like you get to that place it's like it's like being an actor and like you got you have to get past a certain point to where they're just like oh okay we're gonna we're gonna mess with him regardless because gotcha. of who he is and like it's a constant fight like i'm constantly pitching myself constantly putting together decks like my team is still doing all that kind of stuff for for like when opportunities come up because we still have to we still have to prove that I can make content regardless of what my resume says. They still want to see, they still want, you know, I still got to put the work in. Right, right. Now, now you mentioned it and a big 
part of the production and, and the creation of your content is, you know, relationships and the relationships that you have with the big sneaker brands of the world because they trust you as a dedicated source to be like, hey, this guy is going to – all these eyes are going to see these sneakers. You know what right. I mean? Like, and, and his thoughts and his, his uh, opinions on what may be coming in the future carries a lot of weight. Um, when it comes to that and, and just kind of like maintaining those relationships between brands that are extremely competitive and Mm -hmm. know that like, I don't know if a lot of people who are listening to this or have been in a space as far as like, you know, uh, uh, you know, gifting suites and sort of, uh, seedings and stuff like that. These sneaker companies are extremely competitive, right? So the fact that you could kind of like get them to all work together for your benefit, how does that work out? Like what are the politics behind that? Uh, I think it's it's the same thing, kind of what I was just talking about. Um, my my, you know, I luckily I have a really great team that works with me, and what we what we've done and what we made sure that they understand is that they can't treat me any different than they treat anybody else because they're not going to go to Sports Illustrated and say you can only talk about Adidas. Right. They're not right. going to go to Bleacher Report and be like, yo, you can, you can't you only can talk about Puma for the next two months. Like that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You may do an advertising takeover, but you're not going to compromise the integrity of what we do as a site. And for me, it's the same thing. Like my team approaches them or they approach my team and it's like, hey, yeah, sure, we can do that. We'd love to. He'll give his opinion. He'll give his honest thoughts and he'll give it to you from his personal perspective. But that's the extent of it. You, there is no relationship where you're the only thing that he's going to talk about. Um, there's not, if that's the case, if that's what you want, then we've positioned it where it's like, okay, then you need to sign him and treat him like you would treat an athlete that's, that's speaking on behalf of your company. And if right. that's the case, then you're going to treat, you treat him like you treat any other organization. Understood. Understood completely, man. And uh, okay, so great. Let's let's switch. Let's switch uh, lanes a little bit real quick. Um, A lot of the videos you put out gets a lot of attention. But one video that stuck out to me recently was a video where you said absolutely nothing for eight minutes Uh, and 46 seconds. And um, I thought that was extremely powerful. I thought that was an extremely uh, delicate way to use your platform because, you know, your audience is, is massive and a lot of people, a lot of content creators, a lot of people in the public eye are kind of struggling with ways to use their platform to not only bring attention to what's going on in the world of social justice and, and racial inequality, but also not being insensitive to the times. Right. And I think what you did, what you did was absolutely brilliant. Um, what was, uh, what was some of the, the feedback that you got from that, that video that you put out when you said nothing at all? Um, the feedback, the feedback has been largely good. It's been largely, I would, I would say 99% of it has been good. You are, you always, as a, as an online creator, you always get the people of like, keep politics out of it and all, all of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's been, it's been re- really great. It's been really well received. I, I wasn't sure how people would take it because it was it wasn't i guess what everybody else was doing and what everyone would expect you you kind of to do right Uh, and so i i took a i kind of took a chance in i guess expressing myself in that way um partly because there was so much i wanted to say (laughs) you know i mean there's so much like i could have i could have made a video an hour long talking about how that experience makes me feel and the tangents 
and the emotions that that and the places that that takes you and the opportunity, the things that it made you think about and the injustices here and in your own life and what you've seen and what you've experienced, what your parents have experienced and right. how this generation is different from the last generation. Like all of those things could come out in a video like that. And for me, I, the best way to do that was to try and give that experience through my face and like through the emotions that I go through when I think about that stuff, when I really sit and really think about how that stuff impacts me and let that come out free and honest in the video. Um, the video was probably a, about 15 to 20 minutes long, mm. uh, but I, I cut it at, obviously I cut it at eight forty six just for, you know, the poignancy of what was going on. Right. But I, I literally just sat in front of the camera and just thought about all of those things and thought about how they made me feel at certain times and, and used that as, as the catalyst to really let people form their own opinions. Like by me not saying anything, you can see, a lot of what's on everyone's mind and what they're thinking about in the comments, because I didn't tell anybody yay, nay, up or down, but everybody took a yay, nay, up or down perspective from it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, I sometimes the best thing you could do is just hold up a, a mirror to your audience. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just kind of let the chips fall where they may. And a lot of times that'll tell you way more than, you know, saying a, a, a long soliloquy on how you feel, you know? Um, Absolutely. Uh, that's what I was surprised by. I didn't, I didn't think about that beforehand. I didn't realize that it was like the impact of that or the interpretation of that until after, and I started to see the comments. But I was like, oh, okay, again, I, well, I guess, I guess it makes sense, but it's not like it wasn't the initial intention. The intention was just for me to say what I had to say in that way. But you, you see what other people took from it. Right, right. And, it, and it's... It's really a, a delicate time right now because w- with everything going on and, and, and we're, we're big sports fans, obviously, and we love sports yeah. and yeah. with everything going on, like it would be great to go back and be able to watch sports, but like it's, it's in very strange times right now. Like I don't feel 1000% comfortable with, you know, the NBA restarting and granted like they seem to have it the most together as far as like major sports leagues are concerned. But like, especially with somebody who was so big in sneaker content and, and, you know, I do sports content. We rely on this. Like we rely on the NBA. We rely on, you know, these colorways and, and storylines and who's beating who and that, like that is a huge part of our, our social economy. Um, I would just love to get your thoughts on what your, what you think, the NBA should do and are they doing the right thing by restarting the league? Like, are you team Kyrie and Avery and DeAndre or are you team LeBron and everybody else? It seems like that's, that's such a, like, that's such a multifaceted, like sort of thing, you know? Um, Like you try to think of it as a sports fan, as a, as a sports fan, you want to see basketball come back. Like, uh, like people love, like I love basketball. Like I love basketball. Same. Same. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like the fact that I can't play right now because of what's going on, coupled with the fact that I can't even watch it really. Yeah. Like, it's just like, as a sports fan, you're like, yo, I like, I need, like I need basketball back. But at the same time, you try to think of the players and the impact to their lives and their families. And are you risking 
Like you don't want them to risk their lives in order to entertain me. Right. Uh, as much as I love it, I'm, I'll be all right if right. I don't basketball. Um, it'd be great, but I'll be okay. It's uh, not. It's not like the the Major League Baseball strike in '94, where it's like there's a labor disagreement or like yeah. none of that stuff. Like it's painfully clear why these guys wouldn't want to play. You know what I mean? Right. So, in, in addition to the health risks, I mean, do you believe that? going back to play will somehow distract from what's going on. Cause they still protest every day. It's just that yeah. they're not covering it anymore because there's no looting. There's no, you know, not yeah. the juicy, the juicy 10 o'clock news stuff isn't on anymore. This is the yeah. protesting happening every day. So even with the NBA, not back yet, you can see kind of mainstream media starting to kind of turn away from it. But I live in, you know, New York City's a hop, skip, and a jump away from where I live at. There are still protests happening every single day with thousands of people. So do you believe that this kind of distracts from what's going on in the world? Um, I, I think in a sense it does. In a sense it does. And what I, what I am kind of excited about, though, is that they're taking that into consideration Right. Um, from what I've read, obviously, you know, from the stuff that, that gets tweeted out and, you know, the stuff that we read that they're taking that into consideration and they're, they're going to actively make sure that the messages aren't lost because basketball is back. Um, like, I think yesterday I read that they're going to uh, paint Black Lives Matter on all of the courts that mm. they're playing on in order like, to kind of continue that message and keep that message going. So, Things like that and, you know, seeing and really seeing how active they're going to be, how how are they going to, in addition to playing basketball, are they going to use that extra time when the guys have downtime? Are they creating PSAs? Are they having the guys volunteer? Are they educating the guys on certain things so they can spread the message in their own way, on their own social media? Like those sort of things, if that conversation is still going, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. And I think the the sports media is, is open enough to cover those moments, you know, cause that's going to be important as well. Um, that the sports media, that the people that are covering this content and sharing that content across the web, that they're still sharing those messages within those big stories as well. So that it doesn't get lost. LeBron has thirties, but if LeBron has, you know, 30 one night, but then LeBron also brings it to light that voter suppression is happening in West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, those need to be stories that, that get told on ESPN. You know what I mean? So that's, I guess, the bigger, the bigger play. So that's why I'm hopeful about it. But again, I don't want them to risk their lives to entertain me. Yeah. But also, I know guys want to go back. But then there's guys that don't want to go back. Three months is a long – three to four months is a long time to ask anybody to stay in one place. And we're, we're just about at the four-month mark when this all really started. And we know how long this feels. So it's not like, you know – we don't understand that this is, you know, outside from a health perspective and a social responsibility perspective, like you're asking a lot of people to just kind of stay in one place and for our entertainment essentially. But you start to think about all the other factors like, well, if there's no games televised this year, that means there's no cable money. That means the collective bargaining agreement gets stalled out. That means if you don't like having no NBA now, if you think it's rough right now, in the next two, three years, there might be no league to even talk about. And that's not it. That's not hyperbole. That's a fact. Like, they yeah. will lose billions of dollars. Owners will sell teams. Cable deals will be reneged. And there's a strong possibility that 
there will be no NBA in the next two or three years if they don't figure it out right now. Um, yep. So w- with that being said, man, like I, I'm, I'm hoping that they p- continue to play. And I, I've always thought that at the end of the day, you know, these guys are NBA players, like not saying that they're only NBA players, not saying that, you know, they can't be more than that. But at the end of the day, most people that watch them will want to watch them in their field of, of choice, right? So yeah. no matter what LeBron does off the field with uninterrupted and, and Spring Hill and, and, and more than a vote and all this type of stuff, he never has a bigger audience than when he's on ABC or ESPN right. dunking on people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so if he's not using that audience, and granted, he's LeBron James. Probably nobody in the history of sports has used his platform better at his peak than him. Maybe Muhammad Ali, maybe Colin Kaepernick. But as far as like saying what you're doing, putting your money behind it, and still performing at a high level each and every year, I don't think you get anybody really closer than than Muhammad Ali, than LeBron James, you know? And that might sound blasphemous to a lot of people, but like, you know, just just look at the look at the, the lineage, check the history, like yeah. it's there. Um, that being said, man, I'd like to tie that into some, to some sneaker content. Like, what are you hearing as far as like rumblings are concerned? Because I know there's, there's going to be, you know, player colorways. I know there's going to be special editions. I know there's going to be ways that, you know, I know Nike has been going super hard as far as like making sure like, Hey, like black lives matter. They aren't mentioning their words. Like they're putting their money where their mouth is. Like, what are you hearing on the inside as far as like, how are these big sneaker companies going to use these athletes returning to sports this month to, you know, continue those messages in, in, in social, uh, perform. For so far for what it's been actually pretty quiet on that front. I think a lot of people are waiting to kind of see what's going to happen and they haven't really, push too far forward with that, at least, at least from, from what I've heard so far. Um, but I have to imagine that, especially a company like Nike, um, that they're definitely going to utilize this, this, this opportunity and the eyeballs that they're going to get right. to make sure that the messages are heard. And it's, it's great that the athletes are really pushing it as well so the companies don't feel like they're pushing it on the athletes. That's something you always find. Like you can tell when the athlete is just doing what the brand wants them to do. <laughs> just saying the quote on the back of the sneakers. is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure, yeah. Make sure you now, said that at the post game. <laughs> now you see, uh, I think now you'll see um, them a lot more active and the messaging will be a lot more clear. It's not going to be, oh, he just has red, black, and green sneakers on. It's going to mm-hmm. be like, this, this is a Black Lives Matter sneaker. Mm-hmm. And, fighting racial injustice like it's going to be very clearly set out what these things mean and what they're about it's no longer they're no like you know in a sense like you said they're no longer going to mince words when it comes to stuff like that absolutely um let's continue on man with the nba one of my favorite players and yours uh recently re-signed to the nba the los angeles lakers jr smith yes sir back ar jr my guy um, let, on the Lakers. I see. <laughs> Twenty one Savage. I like. I like the, the lineage over there. But uh, you know, we're 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 starting to really get into. Okay, it looks like this this is happening. Like, yeah. no matter what people may think, like if, even if there's, it seems like there's been four or five players that have been quarantined or had the virus. Like, they're going to make this happen. So now yeah. let's 
Let's talk about the basketball implications. You got the Lakers adding J.R. Smith. You got the Nets missing damn near half of their roster. You got the Denver Nuggets who, you know, two of their best players, including Nikola Jokic, has coronavirus, but he looks like he's still going to return. Spencer Dinwood. The the whole lot of storylines right now. In the East and the West, who do you see coming out from each division? Well, I mean, I still see the conference. I mean, I, I still see it as, yeah, well, I'm biased. <laughs> Listen, this is a, this is a, a bias-heavy uh, show, okay? Like, we don't need we, – we throw journalism, journalistic integrity out the window when we come here. So whatever makes you feel good, say it. Okay. Let me preface that with I am a Lakers fan. There you go. There you what go. Say it. Lived in L.A. all my life. So – this is the Lakers. I, I, I feel like the Lakers are going to win the championship regardless. Either way. Seems it, like, it seems like it's been in the cards for them, right? All year. Yeah, yeah. Feels like it's in the cards. Um, mm-hmm. Although I am very, I'm very excited about Giannis um, and what he's been able to do. Like, I am just, like, I'm just fascinated with his game. Like, yeah. He, he, he is just an enigma. Like, he just, he's just so out of control. He's the most unique player I've seen since young LeBron. Right. Like just as far as somebody who's like when we first saw LeBron, right, we were like, he's like magic, but like super, super athletic. Yeah. And now it's almost like you're looking at Giannis and it's like, well, he's kind of like Shaq if he was a point guard, I guess. Right. Like, I don't know how to right. really I don't know how to really, you know, and now he's adding range to his game. So it's like just as far as uniqueness and right. his ability to uh, you know, not just lead his franchise, but like I'm a big fan of him not really being friendly. I like that he doesn't like. I love that like he doesn't kick it with everybody. Like I love that he's not like always in the mix working out with people. At he's not at Chris Brickley's gym. He's not right. at you know. He's not doing little workout videos. Like, but you know he work. He's he's probably working harder than anybody. I'm a big fan of that. And and his and his unabashed nepotism too. Like right. he gets all the brothers paid. Yeah, so, he's like, I need to get get my brothers on, and like it's it's like I'm so I'm a big I'm a big fan of his. Like he he's just so I, I want because of that I want I want for him to win. Yeah, I want for them for them to make it. But as a like my Laker fandom overrules that. So, <laughs> so. understood. I, I feel love, like I'd love to see him do great. I'm also I I kind of also would love to see. Portland make a run for it. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they'll win, but right. I would love to see them make a run for it. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a Dame fan too, so I like, I would love to see, like, 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 I don't, know, I don't know for some reason, like, I want Dame to win. Like, I want to see Man, him. He win. seems like those guys, like, especially those people who say all the right things, do the right things, want to be on one team, and has been rewarded for it every single time, and his game is aesthetically pleasing, like. And now he got the 2K cover. It's like yep. you kind of see like the wheels turning to be like, all right, like health permitting, Dame's that guy, right? Yep. And in, in this weird sort of new NBA bubble that's going to sound feel like an elongated AAU tournament, like a one. Right. <laughs> like it's not going to be like a whole lot of traveling. So like the old guys will be all right. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to be whole- so. I'm I'm looking at these teams. I'm like, all right, on paper, which teams have, like, just the most straight-up talent, like, from top to bottom, right? Like, I look at teams like the Houston Rockets. 
Yeah. I look at teams like the Boston Celtics. I look at teams like the, the New Orleans Pelicans. And now I look at teams like the Portland Trailblazers because Melo was on his way. Like, he was already, like, it, it was like he didn't miss a beat. And he looked like this the perfect third option for that team. And then you got uh, Nurkic coming back. Like, you got a lot of their big guys coming back that made them go to the Western Conference Finals not that long ago. So, I, I like that Blazers pick. I like – it's very sneaky. I like it. Um, I don't know if they go win. Let me say, I, don't, I, doubt, I doubt they make it all the way. I, 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 I think they'll make some noise. Yes, they're going to – they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna annoy a lot of teams. Yeah. Um, teams like I feel like teams like you know the Los Angeles Clippers, like they were. I always felt like they were kind of like a fool's gold team, man. Like they, they didn't really play a lot of games together yet. Like anytime it was like a really big game, like they wouldn't really put the nail in the coffin to teams like they were supposed to. And you know. I guess the one thing that they had that I think would, would kind of like change the whole outlook of what they were is that anytime they play the Lakers, that's another away game for them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so now that there's no real home court advantage, I don't know if that's going to be better for them, worse for them. What are your thoughts yeah. on the whole Clippers, Lakers, Western Conference that we're looking at? Okay, again, uh, I want to make sure that the audience knows I'm biased. (laughs) (laughs) As it should. (laughs) Um, I'm a Lakers fan. So the Clippers, in my head, have always been like the JVBCT. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the Lakers are varsity and the Clippers are like, you know, they're JV team. Yeah. Um, so it's hard. It's it's kind of hard for me to root for them to do anything. <laughs> I'm like the Clipper. Like really, the Clippers. Yeah. I, I mean, okay. I'm I'm, so, I'm old enough to like still like not giggle at them when you say their name. I'm like the Clipper. Nobody says the Clippers seriously. Like <laughs> people don't understand. Like they, you know, we're we're not Gen Zers, you and I. Like so, we remember when they were they were the Knicks of their time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's the laughing stuff. And like, and they've all, and like, the thing is like, they've always sort of had, well, no, I shouldn't say it. No, I'm take that back. There's been periods where they have good, talented teams. Right, like, right. There's been periods where they had like, like oh, Clippers, Clippers got a nice squad. Yeah, the Darius Miles, Court Richardson years were fun. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the, the Lob City Lakers, the Clippers were fun. Even like, I even like the Baron Davis Clippers. The Baron Davis Clippers were still pretty fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but you just like, uh, but they never really, they, they uh, never took them as a threat. Like, yeah, Lob City yeah. was like the closest they got. So I'm like, okay, these guys, maybe, possibly, but you know, they went up against the greatest, one of the greatest teams ever in Golden State Warriors. So yeah, it's, like, it's, it's crazy to see that they're like kind of back here, completely revamped not even less than 10 years later as like yeah. a serious championship threat. Yeah. And they have a serious, they have a serious team too. That like, yeah. there's, there's no doubt like, like PG and Kawhi are like, are incredible players. And mm-hmm. like, there's no doubt that they, they will make their presence known. But I guess I've never really felt like they could get over that hump. It's uh, yeah. When I think of the Clippers, I think of uh, what's that Cedric the Entertainer joke when he's talking about the Jerry Curl, and he's like, "It just don't curl." Just don't like, curl. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I thought of the Clippers. Like they there, but it just don't. They got all the names, they got all the rough and tumble guys, but like for yeah. some reason, I picture it on the marquee, and it just don't look right. Like right, 
with right. Kawhi, even with Kawhi, and I love me some Kawhi Leonard. Like I'm like, if I got a team and I got that dude, I have a chance, right? Yeah. But it, correct me if I'm wrong here. I may be, I may be wilding a little bit. Toronto Raptors didn't really lose a beat without him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they, they really did not lose a beat. So I'm just like, I know Ka- I'm not. I'm not gonna jump off the window and say oh, Kawhi's overrated or none of that. Right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Never say that. But I'm starting to think like, well, maybe like Kawhi's good. Maybe are we? Maybe are we putting him a little too high of a pedestal? Like he's been in two incredible situations now. Like yeah. the San Antonio Spurs, where you get groomed and and you're kind of shielded by three Hall of Famers and a Hall of Fame right. coach and the best front office in basketball. You go and do one season in Toronto with a really good team with a really underrated coach, and you get to defeat an all-time team. With three of the out of their four best players, disastrously injured. Right. <laughs> like, so, right. but it doesn't matter because on on the record books it says Raptors beat Warriors, and yep. that's it. But we all know if those guys are healthy, that's another Warriors chip. Not even a question. So, yeah, yeah, because I mean, people. I think that's something people don't give enough weight to are injuries. Yes. Like, Yes. An injury can change a whole system. Like basketball, like basketball works. Like these teams, they're, they're they're systems. And if one of those pieces is missing, that throws a cog in the system. Like you know, it's like a well-oiled engine. If something's not firing right, mm-hmm. or it's something you got to take something out, it may still work, and you still may be able to do what you got to do. But it's not going to be as efficient. And you know, Kawhi has had the benefit of being in very good systems, being added to very nice systems mm-hmm. clippers aren't necessarily a very nice system you know what mm-hmm. i mean like they yeah. they don't really i don't like a lot of teams you look at like especially that are going to make these these long runs you know what their identity is like the clippers just seems like a team with a lot of good players and I don't know who's really going to take the last shot at the end of games. Like, I'm not against Lou Will being the guy taking these last shots. I'm not against PG oh, not being the guy taking these last shots. Like, and not saying that, like, I'm not going to skip Bayless and be like, you have to be a team that has the, the clutch gene and all that type of stuff. Like, I'm not going to say that. But it does lend itself to the theory that all these great teams have an identity. And the Clippers, for as good as they are, they haven't been together that long. And they really don't have an identity, even though they're really, really good. So yeah. that stuff kind of matters when you're playing the same team every single night and they can pick yep. apart what you're doing. And especially in the playoff system, especially when you're not traveling, especially when you're when you're in a grown ass AAU league, which is what yeah. this bit, this bubble is looking like it will be. So I'm I'm extremely interested to see how that whole dynamic is going to play out, man. Like I, I, I grown ass AAU league. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. I feel like I feel like I, I you know, uh, in a weird way, we're gonna get some fun matchups. I feel like we're gonna get like that Pelicans Lakers first round mm-hmm. matchup. And I've I've said it for the past couple of weeks. The Boston Celtics, man, like I feel like they're gonna up I think a Celtics and Lakers, there's there's nothing more NBA than another Celtics Lakers finals when the world needs basketball. Yeah. When it's probably going to be the highest ratings that they will ever and my and God forgive me for even thinking about things that's so meaningless like ratings and stuff like that. But 
when you're trying to get America back on track, back to some sort of normalcy, some yeah. sort of like, okay, like we're, we're getting together, we're banging through this. What's more American than yeah. Celtics versus Lakers in the NBA finals, man? Like that would be, that would be insane. Like that, that came to, that would be so crazy. Like I could see it. I can see it, man. Like that would it, be insane. There was a report that no Celtics players got COVID nineteen. They all they all passed the flying colors. Every single uh-huh. one of them. Like there was a couple of teams too. I think uh, I want to say the Blazers too. There was there was a couple of teams that everybody nobody on the, on the staff team has it. You know what? And, I need to look up. I wonder when when a lot of these players had COVID nineteen. Like I know DeAndre Jordan just recently tested for it, right? right. But. A lot of these people are saying like, oh, three people on this team had it or two people on this team had it. Are they really, and maybe I'm just not reading enough, are they releasing timetables of like, oh, they have it now or they had it in March? I think some of these players, I think before they, they start uh, getting people back into uh, the swing of things with the league, they're starting to do more testing, right? So I think the Nuggets did that. And when they reopened the facilities, that's when they started doing it. So they could uh, be like, okay, and they could send over – the numbers to the league, and I think that's where they came at, like, I don't know, almost less than 2% of all the NBA players have it, like, now, without the bubble, without, like, the precautions, just as them on their own. So, I mean, I'm a little optimistic with that, Um, (laughs) but, you know, there was a time, like, you know, when when, when it first happened, like, I remember, like, the the night that, like, Rudy Gobert was patient zero, and, like, within – a half hour, you hear Tom Hanks and his wife, Rudy Gobert, league shut down <laughs> like that quickly. You know what I mean? And at that time, you, we, a lot of us didn't really know much about the virus except what we've heard on the news and all like yeah. stuff. So you're thinking the worst. Like every day, it's like, oh my god, Kevin Durant got it. Oh my god, this is the guy got it. Oh my yeah, god. this person's got it. And it's like, oh man, what's gonna happen? Are we gonna have a league? Are these players gonna survive and all this other stuff? And now you're seeing like, okay, well. While we still don't really know everything about this this disease, we know yeah. that okay, well, after two or three weeks, some most people will be okay. But well, there's the Spencer Dinwiddie case where like he's had it, but like he still kind of has like some you know some some lung uh, respiration issues, the respiratory, yeah. yeah, and that's the scary part. Like the scary yeah. part is like okay, like yeah, some people get it and then and then they're off and then they're fine, and you know now I'm hearing about people getting it twice. Like like Kayla Braxton, who does uh she does uh play not play play she does interviews for WWE. She's one of the mm-hmm. the interview ladies. She got it twice. She got it in March, and she just got it again like a couple like weeks ago. Word, so wow. that's the stuff that I'm just like, man. If 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 one person, you know, what I mean, passes away from this, if one player passes away from this, I don't think it's worth it. It wasn't yeah. worth bringing the league back. Like it, it's. It's 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 a scary thought, but it's just like man, like this is this is where we are right now. It's either you're kind of asking yourselves like these dire questions, like is one person's life worth potentially not having a league to come back to in two or three? The only the only thing that that I guess that I don't worry as much is. Like, I know these guys are going to have, like, the best medical treatment. Oh, 1,000%. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody catches it, if they get, happen to get really sick, like, they're going to have the best experts in the world taking care mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Not a question. 
like they can't risk that at all. Like they're, they're definitely going to have the best sort of treatment and care in that case. And I, I imagine those guys are getting the best treatment and care now. Like they're, I'm yeah. sure they're making sure that the guy, it's, 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 it's a poor people and brown people disease. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like most diseases, I mean, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. Like, you know, oh, yeah, those, yeah. Those, those pandemics, things that tend to sweep the nation usually tend to kill black people, gay people and poor people. So yeah. a lot of these NBA players aren't that which is, yeah. you know, a, a, a messed up way to look at things, but it's, uh, they'll be taken care of. If they that's, get. that's part of what's going on now. Like that, luckily, you know, with the, the, the times that we are in, that, that sort of stuff is coming to light. More people are seeing how relevant that stuff is. That's, that, that's, that's like the beauty in this moment right now. Yeah. A lot of those people that, you know, you didn't, that didn't believe or didn't see it, now they're like, oh, so all the time yeah was- it's not it's not make-believe man yeah. like we're not making it up we're not making it up sections of people within our society that will literally not be afforded the same sort of care you will be afforded to right because of who you love because of the color of your skin because where you live at like everybody always thought oh that's just that's just that's that's just an excuse. That's a cop out. Nobody believes right. that. Da, 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 da. Like now you're seeing it. Like yeah. I've always I feel like coronavirus and COVID nineteen is like the great like the years twenty twenty and to be to to do the cheesy pun like you're seeing things clearly and this disease yeah. has opened so many people's eyes to things that were so obvious to so many people for a number of years, for most of our lifetimes in most cases. And, you know, with this, that's why it's, it's, there's no better time to yes. go back into the NBA. There's no better time to, 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 to restart sports because granted sports and just entertainment in general is a reflection of a well-functioning society. Okay. Like yeah. if entertainment and art and sport and just stuff that we go to watch to have fun and take our mind off stuff is thriving. Yeah. That usually means that society as a whole is thriving. Yeah. That is not the case right now. <laughs> society is doing the opposite from thriving, like especially in the United States. So it's a, it's a weird thing where, these athletes are in these uh, in this very very privileged and one of a kind unique position yeah. to not only start to move society like we're not trying to go back to normal like i don't right. think anybody's like trying to be like oh yeah let's just go back and like i think everybody's well aware that like listen like normal's gone there's not going to be we're not just going to go and just watch basketball players and da 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 like every NBA player like now kind of has that responsibility and every athlete in general has that responsibility to not just be like, Oh, I'm just all about basketball or Republicans buy sneakers too. And like all that type (laughs) of stuff, like those days are done. Like you gotta know what's going on because at because for the first time ever, what has happened in politics and what has happened with like lazy governments and not, you know, social distancing and, and, and just people just, being reckless with people's lives have cost big leagues and big sports their bottom line. So now you can't be quiet. You can't just be like, oh, well, you know, it's just a red hat in my locker room, Tom Brady. Like, no. (laughs) Money talks, bro. Money talks. Money talks. And like, they know, like, no, I mean, he, it's, it's the whole, it's going to be, it's going to be a whole 
different situation when things get back to where where they're supposed to be like there's going to there sh- there should be based on everything that's been going on there should be almost a bit of a reckoning and people really getting a, a better understanding and and the levy the playing field should be a little bit more level now yeah uh, once once we walk out of here and it's going to be i think the the companies the big companies are starting to see you know their their lack of in, their lack of active their lack of activism mm-hmm. has hurt them in the long run yes. and it, that it's a benefit for them it's a it's a really a benefit for them to be more fair and equal in the way that they do things absolutely absolutely it's like uh in in a weird way it's kind of why i love Kyrie irving like i feel like you always you always need that Kyrie in the, in the group but like you always yeah. need that one guy that's all the way radical with it like let's go <laughs> let's go all the way in like because there's going to be your lebrons and there's going to be just the quiet people it's yeah. like do you want malcolm do you want martin do you want magneto do you want professor x like do you yeah. want like there's always going to be those those two sides of the same coin fighting for the same thing and you know, you, you need people like that. And, and I, there was a lot of people trying to rag on Kyrie and, you know, saying he was – I think Kyrie's an extremely smart dude. You don't become oh, – you don't become, like, head of the players' union because people don't believe in you. You know what right. I mean? Like, that's a that's right. a player-voted thing. Like, so it's, I'm, always, I'm always wary of what the media says about somebody and what players say about somebody because these yeah. are people that know you. These are the people yeah. that are with you. They see you on the court. They work out with you. They're your friends. And in the in – the, even different circumstance, this is somebody who was voted in as a representative. Like, this guy speaks for us. For so, us. you know, it, it can't just be, oh, Kyrie's being crazy again. It's like, nah, man, like, this this is real. Like, this is what people yeah. are thinking. This is what's in, in people's thought process. You know, here, like, that, the Kyrie story and how that, that story is told makes me think a lot about how I would approach things as, as a black man in this mm. industry in dealing with mostly non-black people when you, you know, this, the, the media, the PR reps, the people that work at the brands the designers, most of them don't look like us. Right. Uh, and you deal with them in a certain way because you're black and you know, the, the cold, the whole code switching thing where you speak yeah. the way and you hold yourself in a different way. But I think, uh, you know, thank, you know, and I hate to say thankful for this pandemic, but now like a, a lot of, I feel like a lot of those layers are kind of shed away. Like, I don't feel I have to, I don't gotta. I don't gotta put on my my phone operator voice. Like, right, right. Also, it's nobody. Like, it's yeah. the the ugly truth is here now. Like, right. listen, or else you're gonna be on the wrong side of history. You know, like it's. I can it's be one hundred percent me. I can be one hundred percent me, and not not really, and not feel like I'm gonna be punished for it. Mm-hmm. So, like for Kyrie, for him to be able to be his hundred percent self, um, right or wrong, but it's okay for you to be that. Yeah, it's appreciated. I, I appreciate it, man. Like I've always, I've always thought he's kind of got a raw deal from you know talking heads and what people say about him and all this type of stuff. Like it's, I've always been worried about that. He's always kind of been like an easy punching bag for people because he's so out there because he always yeah. puts his heart in his sleeve and he doesn't. You know, he the the first time I really saw it was I want to say a few years back when LeBron first came to Cleveland and. Some reporter asked Kyrie, like, oh, what, what kind of fatherly advice, what kind of father figure was, like, LeBron to you? And, like, Kyrie almost 
you could see in his face or he almost like wanted to like spaz out but like he collected himself he's like i actually have a father his name is like something irving and da, 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 da. yeah and it's like that's that's the mark of a grown man that's the mark of somebody who's like man like I, I respect Braun. Like, of course, he's an amazing basketball player, but, like, I'm a grown-ass man. I ain't calling nobody that's not my dad my dad. Right. Just because that's a cute media story that y'all want to cook up. Like, that's, that's – yeah. that was always weird to me. Always weird. Yeah. No, that's, that's just 100%. I, I'm happy, like – uh, I'm, I'm happy for him and be, for him be able to, to speak up and tell his story because it it's also given him a platform where he can speak up and say things that other players may not necessarily feel comfortable doing. So mm-hmm. in, in the same light that, you know, he gets a bad rap, he also, he also gets a microphone when others necessarily don't. So it helps either way. It helps being that good too because if he was putting up eight <laughs> points a game, <laughs> I guarantee nobody would really care what he said. Um, Kanye's back. Uh, yes. We we uh, listen. Kanye West is one of the most complicated figures I think of our of of in history yeah. to me. Yeah. Like just when it comes to him, man, and 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 I love to get your your perspective on this because you know I was off the Kanye train for a while. Um, I'm still. I'm still dipping my toe in it. I've, I've never been the guy. I, I'm not. I'm not a canceler. I don't cancel people. But like, if you say certain things, you gotta you gotta properly critique them. You gotta hold them to the fire. I'm not gonna hate you. I don't want you to. I don't want you to die. I don't want to do all this. I don't want to say all this crazy stuff that people say about Kanye. But yeah, yeah. like, if you say some wild stuff, you gotta kind of be held accountable for it. Let that be known. Um, he's got a new deal with Gap. With, yeah. with with the Yeezy Gap or wherever it's called, and uh, you know he's he did some really great things with George Floyd's family and Ahmaud Arbery's family, and and putting together college funds for people quietly and putting money together, putting money where his mouth is, and and really going in. And it looks like he's gearing up for a new album, and he put out a new single, "The Return of Yeezy." Right now, in in this era where. Just a year ago, he was rocking MAGA hats and Buddy Buddy with his called Trump his homeboy and yeah. all this type of stuff. Where do you stand on on the return of Jesus? Um, I, I I acknowledge that we are all complicated. Let's start it with that. I acknowledge that we are all complicated, and we all have, um, we all have. I I do feel like we always have our best intentions. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like Kanye does a lot of things with the best intentions um his his engagement with the trump thing while i didn't approve and i didn't think that was the right way to go about it i do think there was a means to an end i don't think he was trying to shame or 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 change or or become a republican or endorse necessarily what trump was doing i think he was trying to find a way to uh, make that relationship work right do you you believe like the whole trojan horse theory with the with the maga hat and feeling like he wouldn't have gotten that meeting or wouldn't have gotten to the white house without wearing that because i I see that circulating a lot and i'm like i I think i don't want to give him that much credit (laughs) i I wanna I, i i almost feel like he's kanye and anyone really is smart enough to do that you know what i mean like don't, I don't want to. I don't want to knock him and say, "Nah, he ain't, he ain't that smart." But I, I do think you like Kanye. The whole George Bush doesn't like black people thing. I've, you know, Kanye had to hold that. Yeah, so he got on camera. Yeah, live. Like that's. I don't. I don't think that's a spur of the moment Kanye thing. That's something I think that was brewing in Ye. You know, for a while, mm-hmm. and like 
he knew the situation he was in. This was his best opportunity to really get that message across and, and speak in a way that a lot of people necessarily were thinking. Mm. Like, it's, it, like Kanye did that and everybody kind of got on him for that, but a lot of black people thought George Bush don't like black people. Like, that's not, that's not, you know, it wasn't like Kanye was up there saying something crazy. Right. He was saying something that a lot of us were thinking. But so, now it got to the point where he's saying stuff like slavery is a choice and, you know, uh, just saying while he's, he's, he's being super Republican, he's voting for Trump. Well, he would say he would vote for Trump. And then months later he said, like, I didn't vote for anybody. And all the, all these like really off the wall sort of things that, you know, while I agree with you, I do feel like, you know, he comes with the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. I sometimes don't think his intentions are that uh, are that specific. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like a lot of times his intentions are, I need to worry about Kanye and the stuff that affects Kanye first before right. I start thinking about all these other things. I'm, I'm not going to mm-hmm. go out here and feel like, well, okay. he knew that by supporting Trump, it would eventually lead to all of this. I'm not going to put that on him. But what I am going to say is I think the him and the entire idea of celebrity has really impacted the, the fate of where we are right now. Like we have a, a celebrity president. We have somebody who, who acts like TV ratings are the end all be all. Yeah. I did West help normalize a lot of that. Like his wife is the reigning queen of, right everything wrong with celebrity culture i'm not gonna shit on kim for what she does for for prison reform and getting people out of jail and like she puts her money where her mouth is and that's fantastic and i'll always give her props for that but she's absolutely and and the whole west kardashian clan is a very very sort of toxic kind of concoction that has helped push what we're in right now yeah, so fast. Of, like yeah. the, the sort of idiocracy that we're in right now. They're they were kind of like the Kennedys for that shit. You know what I mean? Like they're like the, at the forefront. So here, here's my 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 rebuttal to that, and and not necessarily that they're that they're not bad. Um, and I don't think they're bad people. I, I, and, no, and, no, no, not that they're bad people. And I'm not saying yeah. that they're, they're bad people, but like who like whose fault is it though? Right. That's Their that's fault? the point I'm trying to make. Or is it or is it our fault? That's the point I'm trying to make. A lot of times. When it comes to these things, they're usually just mirrors to our culture. They right. would not be rich. They would not be powerful if we didn't give them the power and the riches, right? Like, they aren't self-made billionaires. Like, right. celebrities are only made by the people that are celebrating them, mm-hmm. and that's us. So while I do believe that some of the stuff that they've done since then has really helped perpetuate where we're at right now, can I blame them? Can I? Are they the Are they the guys with the smoking gun? No, I think it's really us. Yeah. I think it's us as people who who consume this shit, who who need Instagram likes, who need sneakers, who need uh, you know, all types of clout, who need yeah. features, who needs all that type of stuff. That's us. And now look where we're at. Now look where we're at. It's insane to think about. Yeah, we 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 open we open that door and you know, they, they just walked in, like the opportunity was there and then, and they walked in and, you know, uh, you have to, in a sense, you know, you kind of have to give them props. Like, like this was 
executed flawlessly. Like mm. the, the execution for them to get where they are was was incredible. Uh, whether that's the mom or there's some marketing agency behind them or whatever it is that that made it work, like it turned and turned into something incredible. Um, and even with like with Kanye, uh, I think his his intentions and his creativity and um you know i feel like i say his spirit kind of gets gets in the way sometimes of the things that he's doing like i like i i don't inherently think that kanye thinks slavery was a choice Mm. i think for kanye slavery is a choice is is more of the way that he thinks about things and he just maybe he's not able to get his point across in the way that's palatable for everybody Mm -hmm. um but I, I, just, I just find it, and I could be wrong. Maybe I don't know Kanye. I think, I think Kanye speaks. Slavery was a choice. If you listen to Kanye talk at long periods of time, like if you hear him talk like in, in just longer than a song, like for 10 yeah. minutes, he speaks in bars. Like he doesn't, he never has like complete thoughts. Like he just kind of jumps from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. And like, it's kind of like your job as a listener to kind of connect it all and be like, oh, that's what he means. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think he could, if, if I give him a pen and paper right now, I'm sure he can do it, but I don't think he'll be as expressive or he'll be as successful as expressing himself and just like writing down a straight up paragraph. Like, Kanye, tell me what you think. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think he'll, he'll write in stanzas and bars and like, you know, I think slavery was a choice was a bar to him because he said it and stopped like, like it was a mic drop. Like it was the hardest thing. Like it sounded like that was a choice to me. And it's just like stop, like waiting for people to co-sign them. And I'm just like, nah, that's 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 not it, bro. That's not how it works anymore. Yeah, like when you get that's only on the song. Yeah. <laughs> I try to. I, I I wonder about the impact of being a celebrity on the things that he says as well, and how choosy you have to be with your words because you don't want them to be misconstrued or taken out of context or you leave them open enough where they can be misconstrued and taken out of context and you kind of let people interpret it for for what they are Mm -hmm. Um, even i choose my words pretty succinctly just because i i know that something i say could be taken somewhere and used for something right Um, and so you have to really try and formulate exactly what it is you want to say. And I'm nowhere near a celebrity, um, but I know I'm in somebody in the public eye. And I know if I say something negative, um, that it's going to be, it's going to be picked up by somebody somewhere and that's going to come back, come back to me. Yeah. Uh, right or wrong. Everybody who listens to you and granted, like you said, Kanye West is, is an A1 celebrity. He's, a, he's the one A top of the top. Megastar. And everybody who listens to him, everybody who kind of like takes in what he does has their own agenda with why they listen to him. Why they listen so to him. So if they say something or something is, is misconstrued, they can absolutely take it and flip it any way they feel like it. And yeah. same thing with you. Same thing with anybody that, that has a platform like you. Yep, yep. Like if there is an agenda to be pushed, if you don't say the right thing, somebody can take that. It could be good, it could be bad, but that's just the way it, it's usually been. Yeah, and that's that's what pisses me off so much about Candace Owens, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, yo, know, listen. Candace Owens is 
I have a friend who apparently grew up in the same city with her, right? Like, uh-huh. so she's he's kind of seen like the transformation of what she was to who she is now. Yeah. And I think we spoke in it earlier, man. Like, Candace Owens is seems like somebody who, just like T- T- Tommy, Tammy, T- Tony Lauren, whatever the Tommy Lauren, whatever the hell her name is. Um, she seems like somebody I blame the public for more than I blame the actual person for. Mm. Like, you made this person important. Like, you made this person, like, feel like what she says and does means something. And you had the power to take that away, but you choose not to because it's easier to get angry. It's easier yeah. to react. It's easier to be like, oh, F this, cancel this person, da-da-da, make a meme about them. Like, yo, Floyd Mayweather said it best. The people who love him and hate him pay the same admission price to see him fight. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the best way to think about it, boy. Because I'd be ready to choke. <laughs> I see, I see these things all the time. Like I, I fell for the Tommy Loren jig a few years ago, and then once I saw, I saw like the uh, goddamn. I think the first time I saw Tommy Loren was uh, in the clip that ended up using being used on Drug Dealers Anonymous with Pusha T and Jay Z. But he's making fun of Beyonce. She's like, your, your husband sold crack cocaine. And, right. da, 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 da. and he sampled it and chopped it up. And I was like, as dope as that was, I'm like, damn, I'm never going to hear the end of this bitch. <laughs> it, makes you, it, makes you, it makes you mad just because you know, like, you know, like, deep down, like, you don't believe that. Like, you don't believe that. Like, this is, this, is, this is you getting a check. Like, you're getting a check. This is what this is about. This is about you securing the bag. Yeah. But, and you don't care that how it's going to impact everyone else. Like, yeah. you're like, I'm, I'm securing the bag. I'm getting these speaking fees. I'm getting these consult fees. I'm getting this. I'm, 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 making, I'm making waves and this and this. And, like, you know, maybe, maybe she's playing a long game. I don't it's a, know. It's a scary thought because you know that it goes through their mind one time when they're like, oh, my gosh, like what I'm saying is, is inciting like, you know, racial undertones and it's violent right. and all this other stuff. But it's like, but look at all this money I'm making. Look at all these views. And at some all- point, they're like, this is more important <laughs> than people. And that's the part that makes me like, it's it's awful. It's awful. I feel like we'll we'll get to some sort of equality in 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 the next generation or two. Yeah, I think we're getting a little closer, but I feel like until we stop making stupid people famous and yep. and stop being so reactionary and like cancel culture as a whole, just like you know, it's okay to call people out for their mistakes. It's okay to hold them accountable. It's yep. not okay to kill them for it and not allow them to grow and not be right. like, okay, you think the same thing you thought 15 years ago? Nobody thinks like that. Like, what did I like? What did I like 15 years ago? Like Power Rangers and stuff? I don't know. What was, what was popular yeah, about 15? Right. <laughs> like, whatever. But it's just like nobody, no, no like-minded, right-minded person thinks that like what you thought over 10, 12, 15, 20 years ago still holds up to this day. People can change. People grow. But that's neither here nor there, man. Um, I, was, I was talking about – we didn't even talk about Yeezy Gap. What do you think about the Yeezy oh, Gap? Oh, no, I think it's awesome. Sorry. No, I think it's great. I, I love it. Uh, I, actually, I just did a video about it the other day where I was like, I kind of feel like I owe Kanye an apology. I've been giving him such a hard time. Yeah. 
this Yeezy Gap thing is was was at the at the start of his his you know clothing and fashion ambitions. This is where he wanted to end up. Like this mm. is this is the deal that he wanted to get, and now he's finally getting it. And I've been given a I, I feel like kind of had to apologize a little bit because I gave him such a hard time. Yeah. About, you know, oh, you can't get these shoes. Or, oh, you're making this whatever kind of clothing and gear and like it's super limited or it's super expensive, but this gap deal is what he always talked about. That's what he wanted. But, Mass production, getting it in every mall, every store, get, making it very easy to get. Yeah. And man, like, I'm sorry to say, I think I might cop. Yeah, like, <laughs> absolutely. I think I might cop. Like, it looks like something I want. I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely open to it. Like, no yeah. question, no question. I, I would definitely buy it if it if it fits if it fits my fashion, if it fits my closet. If I can, if I can rock it with my closet, yeah, definitely, I'm, I'm definitely going going to grab something. Like, one thousand percent. I'm, I'm mid thirties right now. Gap is like pretty much my aesthetic at this point. <laughs> so you know. My bank account. All <laughs> yes, that's another thing. But apparently, I, I hear it's going to be like pretty affordable as well. Like I think it's they're thinking like H and M sort of collaboration type of deal. Where ah, see, that, that's great. That's great. That's, I mean, that brings up you know the whole sustainability and that. That's but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> the whole addition, like the whole fashion, that like fast fashion and. But oh, that's man, yeah, yeah. I, I I saw an episode of uh, what was it? Samanaja show, Patriot Act. Oh, Patriot Act. Exactly that. Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, that was that is definitely a whole other conversation. We'll probably have another one like that <laughs> in the future. Um, last question I want to ask you, man, before before we get out of here, bro. And again, thank you so much for, for taking oh, the time. Yeah, thank you for having me, bro. I appreciate bro, it. Of course, man. Always, always. Uh Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, you help make him a sneaker. And Jeff Goldblum <laughs> is is one of the most uh interesting people in entertainment some guy a guy that i've watched i think my entire life at this point um yeah. tell me about that experience that had to be when disney plus first popped off you were yeah. on like the flagship show yeah with jeff goldblum on a section about uh, an entire episode based on sneakers like that's what got me to subscribe so i'm like all right hooked got it let me watch it <laughs> so tell me yeah, i got, about really, it all I got really lucky with that because i didn't know that uh jeff goldblum was involved at first so mm. when they first approached me about it they they were like hey we're doing this documentary on american culture and one of the things we want to talk about is sneakers um is that something you want to be involved in you know obviously based on the unboxing all that stuff and i'm like sure yeah absolutely i would love to mm. and that turned in that was like maybe like three or four months before we shot so we're getting closer to shooting and then my manager hits me up is like yo i just talked to the production company and they're like they're saying jeff goldblum's going to be involved he's going to be the host of the show of the biography and i was like okay but I, uh, still was it wasn't put to me that jeff goldblum was going to be coming to my house <laughs> you know uh but then it was like a week before and then uh you know he came over and he was just like the Jeff Goldblum you see on screen, the like weird, awkward quarter yeah. Goldblum that you imagine he is, like that's that's who he is in real life. Like he reminds me of like uh, the real life Pink Panther or something. Just like a yeah, Alamander yeah. or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Like we shot for probably two hours, I would say. We're here uh, shooting for like two hours. And like he's just so he's you feel like he's just like really cultured. Yeah. Kind of. like he has this really like cultured and 
creative perspective and like pulls from all these like random moments and random things that you like, wait, how did you connect? And like, he'll talk a little bit and you'll see where he's making the connection and you'll be like, like, I get it. But like, that's a, that's, that's different. Not, yeah. not really bad, but that's different. Like yeah. he was quoting like poets and songs and like, like monologues from certain movies and stuff that he would like just just bring into the conversation and you'd be like all right (laughs) (laughs) that works (laughs) yeah that no it works but it it was it was a really cool thing to see like someone who like again like just who who can totally be 100 percent themselves and Mm. just like these are the moments that he thinks about and like these are the way that this is the way you can see a little bit of how he thinks and how he connects the world and how he performs the way that he does and how like he reaches these characters. And like, it's almost like he was pulling from all these like different characters, like these personalities that were a part of him. And like, oh, this personality would be super interested in James Dunn. So let me pull from his poem here. Mm. And like that somehow resonated to his own real life. And like he kept, that's like something he kept in the archives. You know what I mean? (laughs) He brings it out at the right moment. So it was really, it was really dope. That was, a, that was an incredible episode. Uh, anybody watching this, if you got Disney Plus, go to the the world according to Jeff Goldblum on Disney yeah. Plus. Check that out. The episode on sneakers. Yeah. Last question I want to ask again. Sorry, uh, I know I said that last time, but I'm gonna say it again. Um, the world is gonna be very different by the time people are allowed to line up for sneakers again and <laughs> do sneaker drops and yeah. you know uh, be in, in 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 the club or at a concert or like. I feel like in, in a weird way, in a way that I haven't really thought about yet, the sneaker culture itself has kind of changed because we really don't know when's the next time I'm going to be able to rock some like, like really flex on somebody with some sneakers in the ways that like I'm used to, you know what I mean? Like there's, you said it earlier today, there's not going to be a normal to go back to. Like there's not going to be really like clubs like that or parties or concerts or, or, or the NBA is going to be really weird and like all this type of stuff. Like, you know, they just announced that there's going to be the, the VMAs this year. So I'm thinking like, okay, maybe we might get a, yeah, they're doing the VMAs in Barclays center and with a limited audience, apparently. Oh, I didn't see that yet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing it. Um, I guess they shout out to the BT awards. They put out an incredible uh, show this past week, but uh, they're, they're doing a live show. Um, So, I mean, I just want to get your thoughts before we head out. Just where do you think, sneaker culture is going and what's the one thing that we need to pay attention to as far as where people are going to be you know where eyes and ears and just social media and every way we consume sneaker culture where what should we pay attention to 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 the way that things are going after we return to some semblance of normalcy (laughs) that's that's a tough question because you just like sneaker culture was already changing. Like, you know, it was, it was becoming less personal and becoming more digital or less physical, I should say, and becoming more digital. So I think that is going to continue. Um, companies, I, I, I think companies will have to start being able to really impress consumers in a way that they haven't been able to, they haven't had to before. I think we were all excited when like Instagram came on, Oh, we can share stories and we get information out and all this stuff so much, but there's come, there's, sneakers has come to this point of like information overload mm-hmm. where it's like you get there's so much sneaker information online like what becomes special or what becomes relevant and i think at the this pandemic 
and you know social justice uprising has really positioned it where like the storytelling aspect the the personalization and making things stand out and not just feeling like you can just get away with throwing out a colorway or throwing out a sneaker i think that is going to is what's going to really change about the about the market um people are going to be to become more invested i think people aren't spending the money the way that they used to so they're gonna mm. their money is becoming more valuable like a resale is is still doing its thing but it it's almost like it brands are releasing so many pairs now that it's very rare that something makes you a lot of money on the resale market so a lot of that's kind of going away so i think brands are gonna have to really reshape and refocus how they introduce product and how they maintain that conversation with customers i think the conversation with customers and consumers is going to be a lot more important than just telling the story you've got to continue and build like long lasting bonding relationships with customers because there's too many opportunities for them to find that relationship somewhere else these days. Right. It kind of, it kind of feels like where the music industry was about 20 years ago when like Napster first popped off and like streaming started coming in. It's like the music experience used to be very personal. Used to know your record store guys used to know when you used to go to Virgin record stores or stand outside TRL, hoping somebody waves to you when the album drops. And now we're at a point where things, to get a lot less personal but after that dip wherever that dip is and we obviously we don't know what it's going to be there's going to be that that uptick again so let's 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 hope it, it happens um jock slade my man thank you so much for coming on say less i appreciate you, you doing you. what you're doing man a self-made black man making his <laughs> own way you love to see it <laughs> Love to see it. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate you for bringing me on. I've always been a fan. I, I I follow you mostly for the wrestling, just because I feel like I'm I'm so lacking in that world. I feel I like keep, I, I keep you locked in, bro. I keep yeah, you locked you, in, man. I'll be like, what? What's happening? Wait, what? <laughs> happening? If, if all goes if all goes well, WrestleMania should be at SoFi Stadium this next year. So next year? yeah, this this year coming up. So if we're if we figure things out and they're allowed to have like outdoor sports. WrestleMania in LA, and I'm bringing you with me. I'm, I'm saying well, I've right. never, I've never been to a, a wrestling, a live wrestling event. No better place, no better time to do it, man. Like me, Wale, go a couple years ago. It was, we had a crew. Of, it was me, Wale, Hannibal Burris, uh, D'Angelo Williams, Peter Rosenberg, and we all just uh, Bill Simmons. We all just mobbed out, wow. and it was super fun. And this year, if all goes well and, and things work out with this pandemic, SoFi Stadium, I'm bringing you to your first wrestling event. Hold me yeah, to it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Please, <laughs> please. no, I, I want to go. I'm holding you to it. <laughs> I'm holding you to it. I, 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 want, I want to go. I've been, I've been paying more and more attention. Like, obviously, you know, I feel like we all pay attention as kids. And yeah. I, went, I, I, took a, I took a brief hiatus. Well, it was more than a brief hiatus. I took a hiatus. <laughs> Um, but now uh, I want to get back into it. So I've been, I've been paying attention to more what's happening about it online. So if, if there's an opportunity, uh, I'm holding you to that. Please, please. I got you, brother. I got you, man. Stay safe. Uh, stay Good clean. Man. Keep the mask on. Wash your hands. All that type of stuff. All that. All that. <laughs> I hope to see you soon, brother. Be safe. All right. All right? Okay. Yes, sir. Peace.